Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations at Olive, a podcast featuring everyday conversations around the life of Olive Baptist Church and its surrounding community. I'm Travis Walser, and today I'm joined by John Huff and Tim Hunter, and we're discussing very recently uh, Ronnie Floyd uh, released an outline for the Southern, Southern Baptist Convention's vision for 2025, and among some of the things listed there were adding 6,000 churches uh, to the Southern Baptist Convention family and, and an emphasis on discipleship called Calling Out the Called. And the question that we're kind of posing today is how is Olive calling out the called in our everyday ministry? Yeah, immediately when I read that, it just struck a chord with me. It's something that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, he's asking that all the churches in the convention uh, increase our total number of workers in the field through an emphasis on calling out the called. And immediately I get fired up about that because I think that's that's what we're here for. Now, everyone is called to ministry. I want to clarify that. Everyone is called uh, to the Great Commission, but also there are those who have been called specifically to pastoral ministry, and I am passionate about helping equip them and prepare them for ministry, which is why I'm sitting here with Tim Hunter today. Um, so I just want to talk to Tim a little bit. We have opportunities all over campus for those who we do think are called or helping them work out their call. Uh, Pastor Trailer recently talked about the small group that he's beginning with 10 young men uh, just to do life on life with them and do Bible study and help prepare them. Also, just recently, we had our college band help lead D-Now, and I, I was thrilled to see them exercise their giftings there. But I want to hear from a perspective of the ministry resident, of the intern, of the one who is called to to preach and to lead in the future. Tim, how has it been beneficial to you to have opportunities here at All Baptist Church to be identified, to have your calling affirmed, and then also be able to exercise your giftings? Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of different ways. Um, for me, I think a lot of it comes down to, to mentorship um, and then really a space to use gifts. Um, so if you have a gift and, and there's no space to use that gift, there's no platform, right? Um, a lot of times I think with, with guys my age, they feel gifted, but part of the um, confirmation of gifting is local church coming around, um, identifying gift, and then giving areas for the gift to be worked out. So I think um, the space to work out the gift in um, preaching, teaching, and ministry is really helpful, as well as mentorship with you know, guys like, obviously, John right here. Um, just being able to speak into my life from a, you know, 10, 15 years removed um, and kind of see what's coming down the line for me and able to speak and guide me in those ways. Those are two ways that come to mind really quickly. So you um, think I'm only 10 years older than you? I was trying to get a little pay raise. That's right gracious. Now, I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate that. I, I think of two things <laughs> when you say that, though. Um, first of all, you have to have the opportunity to be let in. Right. We have to be able to share life together to, to some degree so that you can see what ministry is like, how to handle difficult situations. But then also, not only do do life together, but also the, whoever's leading has got to get out of the way sometimes and right. give opportunity for uh, you to succeed or even to fail and to find places of improvement. Um, last night you spoke in our, our Crossroads ministry. We had a great night. We're, we're walking through Acts, and you did not fail, but you did succeed last night, I felt like. Um, you were passionate about what you were communicating. But as we kicked off Acts, uh, we talked about in Acts chapter 1 how because of the resurrection, uh, people were dramatically mm. changed. Uh, they, they'd seen the resurrected Christ, and, and out of that, seeing Christ and knowledge of who he was, their lives changed. But in, in chapter 2, something was missing, and that's really what you keyed in on 
And I was thankful to, to share that platform, uh, literally share the platform with you so that you could preach. So in Acts chapter 2, what, what was the heart of what you were trying to communicate? What was missing in Acts chapter 2 that you wanted to share with our college students, really your peers? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you read Acts chapter 1, um, it's really setting the tone. The, the book of Acts is really this, this really interesting narrative where it's going to trace um, the New Testament church and the way it kind of explodes um, all across the world. But as I started off Acts chapter 2 studying it, I couldn't really get past um, verse 1 where it says they were all together in Jerusalem. And so the picture of these mighty di disciples, these apostles who are about to really change the world through the gospels, that they actually weren't doing much of anything. Um, they confronted the risen Christ. They knew really who Jesus was. They had community. They had the message of the gospel. Um, they didn't have the means to carry it out. So that's what Acts chapter 2 starts us off, off with. And they're missing the fire, the wind, um, the power of ministry, the power of the gospel. And that's the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2 gives us this beautiful picture of our incapability. And in that incapability, we get wrapped up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what Acts 2 is all about. Uh, two things that you pointed out that really stuck out to me was that um, in the beginning of chapter 2, the, the prerequisite for their power was actually their inability their mm. cowardice. Um, and that's really when the Lord can use us when we walk in humility, fully surrendered to him. So really that starts to me the, the humility and the, also the unity of the early church. But then also from that place of power, um, they were obedient. They said yes to Christ. Mm. So specifically last night, what, what were some things that we were trying to drive home to our college students and also to anyone here at all of listening well, what is Acts chapter 2 asking you to say yes to? Yeah, so th that was, I mean, again, Acts chapter 1 tied in so perfectly because I'm, I'm studying Acts chapter 2, and in verse 4 of Acts 1, if you go and look at it, Jesus gives the disciples a clear command. He says, wait for the promise of the Father. Don't leave Jerusalem. You start off Acts chapter 2, they're in Jerusalem. And for me, that that kind of that pushed me back a little bit because a lot of times I'm I'm young, I can tend to be idolistic. Um, I want to see the power of the Spirit, and I'm willing to pray for the power of the Spirit. But for me, is it am I willing to obey the simple commands that Jesus has given me? So I think ways that as a church, as a community, as college students, that we need to just say yes to the simple things that Jesus has called us to is is things within framework of community and then in individually. So. Are we giving? Are we sharing the gospel? Are we being obedient to his commands, even the ones that aren't as, they don't seem extraordinary at all? So kind of just walking in the ordinary obedience um, to Christ mixed with longing and praying for more power. To me, I think that's the the powerful uh, duo right there that we see in Acts 2. Yeah, absolutely. And as they finish, as they say yes, you see that immediately they are committed to reading scripture, to fellowship, mm -hmm. to prayer, and then to multiplication, they grow rapidly from 120 uh, to thousands in chapter three and then thousands from there. Um, so that's something that we wanna be committed to as well is, is multiplication. Um, and really that, that's the call of not just those who are called into ministry like Tim, but anyone who is a believer is called to multiplication. Um, we do that uh, through small group. Um, Tim and I and about eight other guys meet on Monday mornings at 6.30 and we just walk through scripture, actually walking through Acts, which was somewhat self-serving for us as we're preaching through Acts. That's not on sermon prep a little bit, so. <laughs> it did help with sermon prep. Um, but it's a place where we can find out, okay, are you being obedient? 
um, to talk about difficulties that you're having, to pray through them, and then to give the accountability um, to each other in that small group. So how has a small group been beneficial to you uh, in the weeks that we've been doing small group? Oh, it's been it's been super beneficial because I think a lot of times um, we have a tendency to read read scripture, to close scripture, and then to ignore scripture. Um, and I think small group is a really good way of combating um, really just being hearers of the word and not doers. Because every week we're going to be confronted with other brothers who um, are other followers of Jesus who are going to be pushing us into the mold of Christ that he has for us. So it's been really helpful just to know, look, I'm going to have questions waiting Monday morning. Um, I'm going to have brothers who are going to care about how my week's been. I'm going to be asked if I share the gospel. I'm going to be asked about my character, things like that. So, And then also it, it, it's a really good picture of expanding ministry outside of ourselves. So um, I talked about this a little bit in Acts 2. After Peter preaches the sermon and thousands come to Christ, you don't get a picture of um, these disciples going off and living in isolated Jesus bubbles is the way that I turned it. So this isn't a Jesus and me um, religion. This is a Jesus and, and us religion. So it's a really good reminder that I'm going to share life. I'm going to do life alongside these these brothers. And it's just a good way to iron sharpen iron. So Yeah, absolutely. You did talk about how uh, you're going to come back and someone's going to ask you if you shared the gospel that week. Right. Um, are you loving other people? Are you serving other people? Last night, so we do that not only in small group, but actually last night in our college ministry, we also challenged everyone in that gathering that they would be sharing the gospel. Uh, each student received uh, a card that would get them a coffee and a donut, and we gave that out with the expectation that you're going to come back next week and you're going to use that as a tool to start a conversation with someone so that you can share the gospel. So we're not only trying to give tools, but we're trying to give accountability. So mm. let's equip you, teach you how to do this, give you the tools necessary to, to get started, and then let's come back together and celebrate and talk about uh, what we saw. Right. Um, I, I'm excited. Like I said, that this really uh, lights a fire in me to be able to pour into people like Tim and also other young believers. So we've identified about 10 guys um, just in, in our church right now. There's also many young ladies who are passionate about uh, some type of full-time ministry or at least uh, considering it right now, but I do believe that there's an army behind them. Mm. Um, but we will not find them unless we begin to disciple them. Mm. And, and this is where those discipleship groups are so important. Uh, we've got a platform here at church uh, that if you actually text D group to 94,000, we'll help plug you into a discipleship group. And, and that's where we can teach you, equip you, give you the tools to multiply and also to, to call out the called, to have relationships with people uh, on a close level where you can get to know them, you can share scripture with them, um, and, and you can help together give your yes to Jesus and what he's calling you to do. So I, I just want to tell you, Tim, I'm thankful for you. You did an, an amazing job last night. Um, look forward to continuing our, our Acts series. Uh, we'll actually be next week talking about the expectations that we have for Christianity. We've talked a lot about cultural Christianity uh, this semester, and I think some of our expectations are, are really built by the worldview of a, a culturally Christian worldview or uh, the culture around us. And, and we really want to show what did the church look like in Acts chapter 3. And, and we'll do that in the realm of discipleship and, and then also the multiplication of those disciples out of this place that we call Baptist Church. So I catch some really, really cool things out of what the two of you guys are saying. So like 
One is the need for opportunities to lead in conjunction with opportunities to be discipled and opportunities mm-hmm. to find that framework of community. So if I'm, you know, if I'm a, a young, let's say 12 to 17 year old, and I'm like, man, I, I really feel like, you know, I want to lead and like, I, I want to become a leader in my, in my spiritual walk with Christ. Like, what are some creative ways that like I can find one of those three things, an opportunity to lead or an opportunity to find mentorship or discipleship? Yeah. First of all, I would say whatever age group, 12 through 17 or 12 through 70, you have to be a part of a local church. And that really is a prerequisite um, for what we're trying to do is, are, are you a part of a local church? And then from there, are you serving in that church? Um, and, and I really believe that based on the structure, especially in our student ministry, there's opportunities for those who are looking to be discipled, looking for mentorship. We, we specifically intentionally put multi-generational leaders in those groups so that they can disciple and mentor others. Um, and then also, uh, if you're beyond those age group, text that D group to 94,000 and we'll give you the tools. Um, actually walking through growth track, we just explain how do you have a discipleship group? The tools are right in there in that growth track and we can teach you, show you how to do a D group with other believers. And that's really cool. And we're starting to see that kind of stuff like all over the church and, and crossroads with our college students, uh, even over the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, just recently we had D now. And at D now, like they gave a lot of high school leaders opportunity to reach in and lead in some of those cases where, you know, they could lead some of the middle school students and, and kind of have that opportunity to step into that leadership role. So that's really, mm-hmm. really, really cool really interesting stuff that's kind of happening around the church as we help, you know, younger, younger students, younger, younger, even like teens find a, a, a way to grow as leaders in the community of Christ. So just really, really cool stuff. Really awesome. Absolutely. My encouragement, whether we're studying Acts or wherever we're at, what is the yes right now? What is your yes to Jesus? J.D. Greer likes to say, put your yes on the table uh, and let him fill in the rest. But what is your yes to Jesus right now? I I think for many of you, uh, it may be a discipleship group. It surely is discipleship, though, where you are mentoring and pouring in to someone else. Let me encourage it. Give Jesus your yes. Very cool stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for being yeah, on the podcast uh, this week. And uh, yeah, just awesome stuff, man. Like it's so it's so cool to see this kind of stuff happening around the church and how Olive is calling out the called as mm-hmm. we're moving forward. So very cool stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope you will subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we want you to go leave a five-star review. That helps us reach more people. And we'll see you next time for the next conversation at Olive.